Hello, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I'm going to be talking about how to get closure from a narcissistic relationship without breaking no contact. Now, it is 100% natural to want closure after enduring any kind of narcissistic relationship. Right, so that's if you're if you had toxic parents, if you had a romantic partner, if you had a coworker that was a narcissist, totally natural after any of those to want closure once that experience is over. There are so many dramatic ups and downs in these kinds of spaces. It really does make sense to want some feeling that this really is the end and life is moving on. Unfortunately, narcissists generally are unwilling to entertain any such activity. Narcissists cannot tolerate closure because it means facing that they no longer have control over you. Narcissists are always looking to find their new supply and closure by definition means that they can no longer get that supply from you. Because narcissists refuse to believe that someone they once exerted so much control over has actually stepped outside of their control, they will never accept any process of closure. So what does that mean for us survivors? We long for closure, but all the traditional ways to seek that closure, you know, stuff like having a heart-to-heart conversation, those just aren't going to cut it in our situation. So are we screwed? No, I don't think so. You can still get closure, but it's going to look a bit different than folks seeking closure in non-toxic spaces. I'm gonna give you three things you can do to get the closure that you deserve without breaching any of your boundaries with the toxic person. Okay, so here's the first thing that you can do. Come to terms with the fact that even if you reached out to the toxic person, they would not provide you what you are looking for. You know, we often spend a lot of time imagining what would happen if they just chatted with us for that last time. You know, we think about, you know, what would that final conversation look like? You know, what things would I be able to to express about how I was feeling about what happened to me? How would this person receive that information? And in this process, we often end up kind of romanticizing what is going to happen. You know, we want to imagine a world where we can clearly express our feelings and the person receives that information and there's this acknowledgement of what happened and maybe even people take responsibility for the wrong things that they did. That's the very romanticized version of closure. And I think in some situations, human beings can have those kinds of conversations. You know, that's not, that's not impossible for reasonable human beings, but we need to recognize that when we're dealing with toxic people, when we're dealing with narcissists, we are not dealing with typical human behavior. 
right? These are people who have uh, severe mental health issues. They have severe challenges in treating other humans with respect. They have severe challenges when it comes to being rational and reasonable in how they approach situations. So it's, I don't think it's a bad thing to imagine these kind of romanticized versions of what that final conversation would be like. But it's important to know that's the romanticized version, right? That even in a perfect world, that's probably not the thing we're going to get, right? That's, that's like the best possible thing. We need to let go of that a little bit. You know, we can think about it, but we don't want to cling to it too much because we need to stay in touch with, with our actual situation, right? There's a difference between what we would like, what we wish for, and what we actually have in front of us, right? So we imagine all these good things that would come from this final conversation, but we need to remember we're dealing with a toxic person. We're dealing with a narcissist. So how can we kind of do a reality check on this, you know, vision we have for what this closure would look like? Well, I think a really good place to start is to think about the last couple conversations you had with a toxic person, right? Think about what you actually said to them and how they received that information. Was there any yelling? Was there any gaslighting? Was there any dismissing of your experience? Right? If, if any of those things have happened in your recent conversations with the toxic person, there's a very good chance that kind of behavior is going to continue. Right? There's no clear reason to think that the toxic person has changed in any dramatic way since your last conversation right? Most likely they haven't gone through those experiences of change. So whatever happened the last couple times is likely to happen this time, right? So we can do kind of a reality check on what we're, what we're imagining this closure is going to look like by actually reflecting on what our previous experiences were and assuming that most likely the toxic person will behave in similar ways in this imagined final conversation. I did this a lot when I was thinking through my mother. I, I always wanted to have some kind of final statement with her. I wanted, I wanted to have some sort of closure. I wanted to be able to like go to her and tell her to her face, like you were abusive to me and this was wildly inappropriate. And I never ended up doing that. I, I think one reason I didn't was one, over time I actually didn't need to do that. I found closure in other ways. We're gonna talk about some ways you can get there if, if that's a path you wanna take. But two, you know, when I did think about what would that conversation actually be like, I just imagined a whole lot of not being heard. And it's so painful to go out there and express your feelings and make yourself vulnerable and then have the person blow you off or not really listen to you or dismiss you. Those things are all so horrible that I just decided it kind of wasn't worth the risk. I just didn't want to experience that kind of abuse again. So that's the first thing you can try doing. Let's talk about the second thing. Here, I want you to try to figure out what do you really need from the closure? And I want you to try to think of creative ways to fulfill that need. 
Okay, so you know we're we're told it's an idea in society that we we need closure when we've had uh, a difficult experience, and I think it's true psychologically. Human beings kind of want closure; it makes a lot of sense. But we got to figure out like what exactly are you looking for, right? Is it is it that you're concerned that this experience might not be over yet? Is it that you want to be able to just kind of put a pin on it? You want one final event so it just feels more final? Like, what is it that you really need? And I, I think for different people, the answer to this is going to be different, right? So often when we're navigating a toxic person, we need to actually think of it a little bit more like navigating the death of a loved one rather than thinking it's like navigating an ordinary relationship, Okay, I know that that sounds harsh, that can be a little bit jarring, but you know, if we take very seriously that the toxic person is still here and available and willing to talk to us, we're gonna be tempted to violate our boundaries, right? We're gonna be tempted to put ourselves again in a position where this person could abuse us, right? But if we shift our thinking and we say like, okay, I know that this person is here and they, they want to talk to me, but really, as far as I'm concerned, I'm not talking to this person ever again. That's a little bit more like when somebody passes on, right? When someone dies, we can't talk to them anymore. Maybe depending on your beliefs, you think we can pray, or maybe you think we can, we can communicate to whatever is after death. But in whatever that looks like for you, it's definitely not like sitting down for a cup of coffee with the person, right? If we can start to think more like we need to mourn and we need to get the kind of closure people get when they're trying to navigate the death of a loved one, we are much more likely to keep ourselves safe and prevent the continued abuse of the toxic person. Right, so here you can imagine, how would you find closure if this person had passed away rather than you just set a boundary? What would that look like for you? This can prompt you to come up with some creative ways, right? There are lots of interesting things people do to help themselves through the grieving process when somebody passes. There are lots of ways people achieve closure. You know, sometimes when people pass away, their family will plant a tree in their memory. Sometimes, you know, people like if someone um, you didn't like has passed away, you know, like, and it was your husband, you might like burn your wedding dress, right? That's a way to get closure that doesn't involve interacting with this, with this other person, right? So you need to think of some creative ways, ways that do not involve the toxic person, right? Our goal here is to not give those people more opportunities to hurt us. So the third thing that you can do to get this closure is to become authentically peaceful with your boundaries. This search for closure can often make us doubt and potentially violate our boundaries with the toxic person. That is not good for us or really honestly anybody involved. The way to solve this is by truly making peace with those boundaries. When you have done this, you will no longer be haunted by the need for closure. Instead, you will have created the closure that you are desiring. 
I think that making peace with our boundaries is one of the most powerful things we can do as survivors of toxic people. It's hard to do though, right? It's hard to make peace. Like it sounds good. We like the sound of it, but what does that even mean? Like we, we maybe we feel good. What does it actually look like? Well, I've developed a six-week coaching program that's designed to help you be more confident and make peace with your boundaries. In this program, I give you an easy-to-use five-step process to help you integrate your boundaries into your core values. Once you've embraced just how necessary your boundaries are to living the life that you deserve, we will explore together how you can navigate any doubt that creeps into your mind and how to resolve it. Because everyone's journey through boundary setting is different, my course includes six one-on-one sessions with me, Dr. Louise. You can sign up to get all of the information on that over at, on my website, it's just empowermentthroughthought.com. And you know, I really, I love helping folks discover the power of making peace with their boundaries. We talked today about how I think it can really help you work through that need for closure. I also think it can really help us fight off, you know, flying monkeys and some of the unpleasant kind of side things that happen when we start putting boundaries up with toxic people. This step of making peace, I think it's often very overlooked, right? And I think part of that is people don't know exactly what it means. It's not so concrete. Like we can tell, have you put up a boundary with a toxic person? Yes or no, right? Like we can kind of check the box. It's a lot harder to check the box when it comes to making peace. But in my course, I've made the things a lot more concrete. I've really tried to to reflect on my own experience and reflect on the things I would have wanted on my journey. And you know, my if you're if you're new here, my journey, I've had two toxic parents, a toxic ex, and a toxic mother-in-law. And through all of that, I think that making peace is one of the most important steps in the process. I would love to chat with you about your journey navigating toxic people. If you just pop over to my Instagram or just at Empowerment Through Thought, you can shoot me a DM and we can strike up a conversation today. Thanks so much for spending some time with me and I will catch you guys in the next one. Bye-bye.